Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership, and let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. It's like I was saying, we have to take care of our health and be mindful of things that are going on. And I recently read that theaters aren't that good for you. So I'm going to take steps to avoid them. <laughs> Dude. Oh. Uh, okay. Eh. And with folks, that, I'll see you next week. Bye. And with that, <laughs> welcome to another episode of No More Leadership BS. And we are the No More Leadership BS crew with Jeff, Jeff, Sam, and Myra. And today is another fun episode where we get to learn more about part of the team here. And today's interview is going to be with the Rose Amongst the Thorns, the whole reason for being our friend Myra Hall. And I have a quick Myra Hall story. When I first met Myra oh, a couple no. years ago, no, it's clean. Oh, I good. I won't, I, won't talk about, I won't talk about the hotel room. The ballroom. When I first met Myra a couple years ago, we asked where we were from. And I said, I was from Pendleton. And she said she was from Hermiston. And if you're not familiar with Eastern Oregon, they're about 22 miles apart. 30 miles as the crow flies, but 22 miles apart. And I went, oh, and Pendleton and Hermiston are mortal enemies and back in high school days. And we were just talking and that, that was our first connection. And then the second connection was that she and her sister used to perform. And we were, they were talking about the uh, going to the Pendleton Roundup and performing on Main Street during the, one of the shows. And it was this medicine man. And I whipped out the picture of my dad who played Dr. Horace Droppings at the time. She goes, that's him. 50 years removed, but cousins at heart. My friend Myra Hall and I, uh, she is my Eastern Oregon cousin. And I love her to pieces. So we're going to learn a lot more about Myra today. And I'm excited to, to be able to host this episode. Myra, how are you? After that one, I'm going to have to think about it, Jeff. It, that was an amazing moment because we just met at yeah. breakfast. Yeah. And I, I mean, it, like we couldn't shut up after that. No, it was an Oregon thing. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's a Pendleton thing. No, it's, it's a Pendleton <laughs> thing. What's with when you drink Pendleton? Yeah. <laughs> but I've been but blessed. Was, I, I've gone to Indiana yeah. and I've done some stuff with it with Myra and, and she's a great friend. Yeah. So this is going to be a fun okay. episode. So let's start. Myra. Yeah. Where were you born? Talk about your early days. Well, I was actually born in Washington in Ellens Ellensburg is where my birth was. My first five years, I lived up in a little tiny place clear in, out of nowhere called Doris. It was a substation. My dad worked on the railroad. And then, then after that, when I was five, we moved to Hermiston. Boo. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Lived in Hermiston for my formative years and moved up to Washington, a little town called Bridgeport, when I was in the seventh grade. And then from there, I made frequent moves in my life, went to Tacoma, went to beauty school there. And then I went, lived down in Yakima after I got married, Yakima area. My husband worked on the, the nuclear power plants down there. And when those all shut down, 
sent us out to Indiana. And that was 1983, and that's where I stayed. But my heart is still in in the Northwest. When I think of home, I think of pine trees and and streams and snow in the winter and all the good stuff, the smell. When I try to explain to people that have never been there, I said, you just can't believe the smell when you go up in the mountains. It's just indescribable to people that have never smelled it. And they don't understand it. Uh-uh. They sure don't. And they don't really know what a mountain is if they've never le- left Indiana. I'm just right. telling you. Right. Indiana's a little flat. I remember that drive. It's a lot. Well, there, there's some hills. There's some hills down the southern Indiana, beautiful hills. Oh, okay. But they're not mountains. They're not I, mountains. I, I remember telling people about you smell the wheatgrass in eastern Oregon. And people are like, what? And I always know when I'm close to Pendleton because I can always, there's a smell. And Guyer's right. going to say something. But there's a smell. <laughs> and yeah, no. So. What from your journey from selling real estate to becoming a coach, what made you take that turn and what drove you to search out that that path? That if path. You will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like I was telling you guys earlier, I'm probably the only one here that has an MM in my education, which stands for Masters of Mistakes. Oh yeah. I and I graduated <laughs> with honors. I'm just gonna tell you. I graduated with honors and went to every campus that was available. So I'm going to catch you up because it's part of the story is I did many different things in my life. I started out as a beautician, had my own shop, and then I became a farmer. We had 100 acres with an orchard and a market garden. And then I became a baker, had my own donut shop. Really? And yeah, yeah, that's, that was, I was driven, always driven to. I know she's bringing company party. (laughs) Then I became a chef and enjoyed that. But then I got into property management. I got a divorce, unfortunately, and got into property management, which took me into real estate, which took me into coaching. So that I followed the path. And as, as I said, I have an MM. I learned all the mistakes you can make along the way. And, but one thing was constant is I loved people. I loved hearing about, I just loved their stories. I love listening to it. I learned one of my greatest skills, I believe, is listening between the lines. I hear what they say when they're not really saying it. That words don't come out their mouth, but the meaning is right there. So I think that's one of my greatest skills. But what I noticed in uh, when I was in real estate and I was in it for technically I'm still in it, although I refuse to do it. And I was very good at real estate. I got very competent and had a award winning team. And when that team fell apart, I learned my biggest lessons in life. And Those lessons I have taken and applied to my coaching. And I love coaching because I love coaching my team to to really being top performers. They were another number 17 in the Remax, Remax ecosystem, if you will. And it was just a small team, but they were hot. And we had systems and we had processes and people loved our team. And what I learned from coaching them and from the mistakes that I made 
is there is something that stops people from becoming their full potential and getting where they want to be. And even though they want, and this, I tell you, it, it hits women in midlife really hard. And that's where my heart is, although it certainly applies to other people as well. But that is a lack of self-worth. And that's because I struggled with that and had to work through it and I'm still working through it. I don't think you ever get over it. It's people try to insert self-esteem, which the difference between self-esteem and self-worth is self-esteem is based on exterior things, what people think of you and what you achieve and where self-worth is loving yourself and, and accepting yourself, your flaws, your everything about you as worthy of any good thing, any love. And people have a hard time with that. It stops them dead. It causes things like, it causes divorce for one thing. It causes a lot of anxiety and it causes people to overcommit, take over, be over responsible for the things and the wheels come off. So I like to reach the, anybody, but especially women that are caught in what I call the midlife merry-go-round. They just keep trying and keep trying and nothing's working and they get more frustrated. And I like to help them unravel that before the, the wheels come off. So then you would say that your ideal clients are going to be those women in that transition period. Is it specifically, it sounds like it's, there's a time where there's that transition between children coming up and growing out of the household and that loss of identity as a mother. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? It's, there's a lot of things going on. That's primary because that's your identity. It doesn't matter how, and I'm going to say that a woman gets her identity from her family in general, and a man gets his identity from his that's just the way we're wired. Now, that's not 100%, but that's but we're having changes in midlife that we didn't ask for and we don't welcome. And that's gray hair and everything sagging and wrinkles. And we're just not the, we're not the spring chicken we used to be. So we try to fit into expectations. And I like to say I am anti-anti-aging. I think that is one of the biggest problems that women have is it's not good to age. There's your flawed if you're aging and you have to do everything you can to fool people into thinking you're not aging. Now, I'm not talking about taking good care of yourself. That doesn't enter into it. It's the reason behind it. I run into people all the time that have gone on a diet. They're going to fix themselves. You 2.0. They're going to remake themselves into the mold that the world is expecting. And if they succeed, they still haven't got what they want. They still haven't got the satisfaction in themselves because they're depending on other people's expectations or other people's assessment of them for their worth. So I like to stop at, start at the bottom and start. One of the questions I like to ask is, if you lost everything that you had, absolutely nothing, how would you feel about yourself? That's a deep question, and it takes a lot, but it helps identify where their worth comes from. So that's a long way around to answer your question, Jeff. I think or, that's a good answer, though, because, I mean, it really does. But that question, though, is relatable to anyone, not just women. That's a really good, that's a great question to start off with. But yeah, I can totally see that. Completely non sequitur. And out of the, I know that you've traveled and you've had some life adventures. Where's, where's one of the most beautiful places you've ever been? Oh, that's easy. 
the Adriatic coast is right next to the Blue Mountains, which I think that's my happy place, is the Adriatic coast. And just, it is just fantastic. The water there, the weather, the architecture. I'm an architecture nut. I love old architecture. I love old anything. Hence, I'm old. See, I like old. But Wait, I, the I, wisdom. Go ahead. Wisdom. You have wisdom. It's not old. And, you have and, wisdom. But that's an interesting thing that you bring up because, and, and this is going on a rabbit trail, but part of the problem in our society is we don't value the wisdom that people in midlife, second half of life have to offer because of the internet. And we mistake knowledge for wisdom. Knowledge is collecting the dots. This is how I like to explain it. You're picking up pieces of information. Like when you graduate from college, you've got all of this information and you know how to change the world. But you go out there and it doesn't quite work the way that you thought. But you pick up, you start connecting the dots and that's wisdom. And that's wisdom. When you connect the dots and you see what the information you have, how it fits into the world. That's so sorry about the rabbit trail, but that's, I think that's so important. Um, well, it's going to change because the wisdom thing, I think is really, maybe I won't, I'll just make a statement and then ask a question, but <laughs> wisdom is, w wisdom is applied knowledge. H having, have, to me, it is H having the knowledge and not doing anything with it isn't wise. You have to do something with the knowledge. So applying that knowledge, but no, I was going to ask Myra, we all have known each other for quite quite some time. Tell us something about Myra Hall that we don't know. Oh my, no. <laughs> oh, what do you don't I pretty much know all about me? Let's see. He told me my biggest secret, my claim to fame was singing on the Main Street Cowboy show for Dr. Horace Droppins. Right. No, that was a lot of fun. My sisters and I used to just sing all over the place. I that I sang in the Sweet Adeline chorus and that's my, I don't know. I don't know what you don't know about me. I'm pretty transparent. The funny mm -hmm. thing about the Horace Droppings things is my dad used to buy root beer and he had labels made that said Dr. Horace Droppings Magic Elixir, blah, 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 blah. And he recruited us kids because we were stupid enough to lick the back of these adhesive things and slap them on these things. Anyway, when my father passed away, I found a bunch of them and I sent Myra a handful of them. So Yes. Yeah. It's so one of my proudest possessions. Yeah. 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 So I'm trying to think. I don't know if I came from a family of eight, four girls and four boys, and we were all musical. Four, so we were parents. All of us played the instrument. All of us sang. My dad gave voice lessons. My mom gave piano lessons. But they were multi-passionate as well. My mother was also a scrub nurse. And my father was a judge. And he worked for BPA, Bonneville Power. And that was his major source of income. But he was never satisfied with just one thing. Really? Yeah. So you're a I, piano I, player too. You play the piano. I didn't, I'm not sure I knew that. I was a prodigy at four years old. And at 12 years old, I just, something happened. I just gave it up. Just walked away from it. I took it up later and it was never the same. It was never the same. It was, music is a joy to me. Yep. It is a way of expressing yourself that when you have no words. And I can get that either from the performance or from listening to a performance. Music is what emotions sound like. Yes, I love that. Yeah. I love that. So in the coaching realm, we talked about you working mostly with women in that 
transitional time in our life. And maybe we're transitioning more than we think we are at different times. It's not a singular event in our life, but what gets you really jazzed up? If you're working with a woman or a group of women, what really at the end of that day or end of that session makes you go, wow, this was really good. Oh, when that's easy. When they believe that their worth comes from somebody else, the shoulds in life, I call it the shoulds. They're living up to everything that they should be, but they're not happy. And when they have that aha, that other people don't define them, it's like a light bulb going off. It's like they come alive. And not that they know exactly what to do at that point, but they see possibility. They have hope and where they didn't have hope before. That lights me up. Yeah, that's really good. And I would hasten to add, that's not unique to women. And you know what? I've had people say, guys go through this. I know guys go through this. I'm very well aware of that, but I don't know what guys feel. And I don't know how to relate to what they go through. So I, I can help probably anybody build their self-worth. But I don't understand as what guys need to build that as much. I'm understanding more than, than I used to, but I have direct knowledge. I have an MM. I have a master's in mistakes. I, they can't tell me about a mistake that they're making that I don't know about already. Yeah, that's good stuff. Thank <laughs> you, Myra. That's great. I'm going to take G off's cue. I'm also going to throw a non sequitur in because I think I forgot about the chef experience and that could open your world to a whole array of things you didn't see coming. So what's a food that you're surprised that you liked? Squash. And why were you surprised you liked it? Because I never thought, I, I don't know what I didn't like about it. I just, my nose wrinkled every time. There was squash anywhere near. And so somebody gave it to me. And I was in a position where I was going to embarrass myself if I didn't try it. And I ate the whole thing. <laughs> I ate the uh, whole thing. That, oh, this is good. So now I buy it even. I even grow it. Yeah, I like squash. How was it prepared? Was it like just steamed or was it all doctored up so you couldn't tell if it was not a squash or how to come to you? It came to me like you'd fix a sweet potato with uh, butter and brown sugar. But I find I, I like it better without brown sugar. I so like low, it with the butter. So you tried it with locale? I tried the locale version, <laughs> yeah. I, it's, you asked me something you didn't know about me. I didn't drink coffee until I was 42 years old. And then once oh. I started, I started. That's IV. what you were missing your whole life. Yeah, my whole life was, yeah. But I started drinking coffee because I needed the, when I had the donut shop, I needed the. You need coffee I, and donuts. Yeah, yeah coffee and donuts. Right. And so I started out with, everybody else does, with the sugar and the cream. And I thought, that's Make a milkshake. Make a milkshake yeah, out just, of it. Yeah. So now I just, it's just full leaded, full leaded. I want my, don't mess with my coffee. Something <laughs> I really coffee, enjoy. Like the veins. So. I want my coffee like I like my women bitter. <laughs> yeah, Stalding and bitter. Stalding yeah. and bitter. At least I didn't yeah. say tie, tied up on the back of a mule. Our friend Juan. <laughs> I find it sad that coffee injured your life at 42 at the pinnacle of the answer of life and universe and everything. That's just perfect. <laughs> well, wait, so as a chef, what was one of your favorite things to, to cook? Ah, I love any kind of a pasta dish and I loved cooking classic Italian. And I'm not talking about the Italian that you get at a local Italian restaurant, say. 
but the Mediterranean kind of Italian. And I learned that in in the Yugoslavia. And that's just across that's just, just across the sea from Italy. But they truly make cooking an art. And I learned from my mother-in-law how to some stuff I didn't I never really cared for olive oil until she taught me how to use it. And like there there was a dish made with turkey and tomatoes that was just outstanding. It was just outstanding. A little bit of nutmeg and but what I really enjoy is it was the presentation. That was the fun part is make it look pretty on the plate. I still do that. When I put my husband's dinner in front of him, it doesn't, it's not just thrown on the plate. It has to look pretty. I cut the sandwiches in three pieces. You ever seen that? Oh, the triangles. Yeah, the triangles. I want yep. it to look pretty when it's in there. Do you, do you so. cut the crust off for him too? No, I do not. <laughs> not the time's coming. The time's coming. But for right now, I'll let him dip it in his soup. So. Didn't you live in Croatia or something like that? No, I, my first husband was from Croatia. Gotcha. So I went over there to split Yugoslavia. And when it was Yugoslavia. And you were, um, it's because of you they split? That was an international relations thing. Yeah, we, yeah. We're not allowed gotcha. to talk about that. NDAs were signed. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That's and since was, this that's is an audio was... podcast, the nonverbal crusty face was a cat from Myra to Jeff. And now we may proceed. Crusty. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but yeah, I spent a month there and I spent, we partially spent in Italy. So I've got to experience the culture, which is very interesting, by the way. It's the culture over there is just fun because they're so expressive. Oh my goodness. They hold nothing back. They'll get out of their they'll get out of their cars and yell at each other and stop right in the middle of the street. (laughs) I love it. So love it. So Mara, I pick up on a theme here. And the theme I'm picking up on is I didn't think I'd like it. Then I tried it. And it was awesome. So what's one thing that is bubbles up in your memory as a thing you really thought you wouldn't like, whether it was an experience or a food or a conversation that turned out to be maybe even life-changing, turned out to be much better than you expected? I've always followed my dreams, which is fun, fun to do, to see where it takes you. And I've always believed in myself strongly. I can do anything I want. But after my divorce, I got put in a position where I had to do things that I didn't like. Or I didn't think I liked. That weren't my dreams. And that's when I got into being a chef. Is I loved baking, but I never thought I would enjoy being a chef. And part of it's not fun. I'll just be honest with you. It's mundane that you do it over and over again. And especially when you're cooking in a big establishment, but or chefing, excuse me. I it's still cooking to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but probably that more than anything. And what I really enjoy is I have those skills to take with me is, and I use them all the time. It's not like I did it as a job. I made it part of me. Sure. Very Does that cool. make sense? Does that answer your question? Oh yeah. That fulfills me completely. Oh, I think we're coming to the end of this episode of no more leadership BS. Myra, it has been fun learning more about you, asking you questions and just make us love you more. I think we could all agree with that. Right, guys? Yes. Agreed. Like the so, end of a South Park episode, I learned something today. I, I learned, learned something, something today. today. Yeah, I love learning. <laughs> I didn't know you were a chef. If you have any questions for Myra or any one of us here on the No More Leadership panel, email us at askusatleadershipbs.co. Visit us on Facebook. 
and ask us anything you like. But we would really like to get emails. So email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. Until next time, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Along, you guys awake? Awesome. I'm smiling like, like it's long. Jeez. <laughs> uh, All right. Until next time, everybody. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS Podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you then.